It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today's Friday, March 18th, 2022. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. The Chatham School District's Board of Education has selected two candidates to be interviewed for superintendent. The top administrator will manage the district's roughly $4.4 million budget, which includes administering schools in Claquan, Angoon, Huna, Gustavus, and an independent learning center in Tenneke Springs. The district has had an interim superintendent since the former superintendent, Bruce Hauk, died suddenly of natural causes at his home in Angoon in December. Since then, John Holst, the former superintendent of Sitka School District, has served as the interim for Chatham School District. The district's search yielded 11 candidates, and the board chose to interview two. Both currently work in Alaska. Carrie Del Signor is the director of special programs and assessment for the Yupit School District, located in Akiachok. Similar to Chatham, it's a regional school district serving three K-12 schools in native village communities on the Kuskokwim River. Del Signor is enrolled in the superintendent credential program at the University of Alaska Southeast in Juneau and is scheduled to graduate this semester. The second candidate, Ralph Watkins, is the principal of the Mead River School in Utkasuk in the Arctic Slope School District. Until last year, he was superintendent of the Huna School District, where he served for five years. He recently completed his Ph.D. in educational leadership at Pacific University. The Chatham School Board will interview the two candidates in June later this month. They say there will be a candidate forum and an opportunity for members of the public to ask questions at the end of the month, with those dates to be determined. Alaska's Board of Fisheries this week voted to close some parts of southeast Alaska to Dungeness crabbing for the commercial fleet and sports fishermen. Board members backed proposals from area residents seeking to increase their subsistence catch in these areas. KFSK's Joe Vicknicki reports. As they have in other board cycles, southeast residents submitted proposals seeking closed areas near their communities for both commercial and sport Dungeness crabbing. Kurt Whitehead is on the Fish and Game Advisory Committees for Klawak and for Eastern Prince of Wales Island, and those committees proposed some of the closures. For one proposal around Klawak, he explained residents wanted to ensure they could catch crab for subsistence and personal use close to town. Yeah, this is a, a real need for the community of Klawak. Um, uh, economically depressed area, small boats. Uh, they just wanted to push the commercial operators out just a short ways. Whitehead explained local residents in that community and others on the eastern side of the island felt like they could no longer catch Dungeness due to the commercial fleet or out-of-state sport anglers. They report local areas where crab are scarce because of that competition and a predation from sea otters as well. The Alaska Department of Fish and Game opposed closing areas and said there's no conservation concern with Dungeness. The commercial fleet had its second highest harvest on record in 2020. Board member Israel Payton of Wasilla said he generally supported closures like these around a community. I understand I grew up in a rural community and, and I grew up competing with resources uh, as a, a local stakeholder with, uh, you know, out of state and uh, out of area, out of local residents coming in competing with that. So I, I understand why communities like a little sanctuary around uh, their area to go harvest. Uh, you know, subsistence is about, you know, harvesting close to your domicile. That's what it's all about, to have a sanctuary near your, your where you live. The proposal for Kluwak was originally drafted to close the area to the commercial fleet and non-resident sport fishermen, but the board removed the words non-resident on the urging of the Department of Law's Aaron Peterson. If you were to say, we're just going to allocate everything away from any non-resident fishery, 
um, the Department of Law would have serious concerns with that. It was a unanimous 5 to nothing vote to close both commercial and sport crabbing in an area around Klawak. And while they removed the words non-resident, that change leaves the area open to Alaskans only under subsistence or personal use regulations. There are 17 areas already closed to commercial fishing in the region. Commercial fishing industry groups opposed more and backed proposals to reduce some of those exclusion zones. Some of the areas have designations for subsistence use, while others don't, and the board ended up supporting some subsistence sanctuaries, but not others. The board voted down new commercial closures in Kaufman Cove and Cassan Bay, also on Prince of Wales Island, but they approved new prohibited zones for the commercial fleet around Whale Pass and Heidelberg. Mackenzie Mitchell of Fairbanks voted against several of those. I guess I'm not going to be in support of these proposals. I think that there's uh, an abundance. Um, for me, the, the arguments presented by the proposer were kind of uncompelling because there was talk about the sea otter population, which is doesn't connect the dots for me for this issue. There was talk about, um, I quote, fake residents, um, which by shutting it down to the sport fish and commercial fishery, if they're residents, they can still prosecute and subsistence and personal use fisheries. So I'm, I'm just having a hard time connecting the dots on this argument. They voted against reducing a commercial closure zone in Tenneke Inlet, and they voted against wiping a commercial closure near Elfin Cove off of the books. The changes weren't just for commercial crabbers. The board supported closures of sport crabbing around Kaufman Cove and Whale Pass. Board Chair Merritt Carlson Van Dort of Anchorage explained her thinking on one sport crabbing change. You know, I think the intent, my intent would be to you know, provide that opportunity for subsistence and personal use uh, for, for Alaskan residents. Um, and I think that that's what the intent of the proposal was. During deliberations, Alaska Department of Fish and Game Sport Fish Division Director Dave Rutz thought many more communities could also be seeking these closed areas. You know, it could be a slippery slope starting to close areas to sport fishing when there are that many communities because there's a lot of people out there that are NIMBYs. They don't like people in their backyards. So. I, I just wanted to mention that. Board members were unanimous in voting down a longer commercial season for Dungeness in the wintertime in Sitka Sound. In Petersburg, I'm Joe Vicknicki. A new episode of the kids' show Molly of Denali centers around a character named Vera, who is Philly Baskin. That's Filipino and Athabaskan. Those who worked on the show say that representation of Filipino Alaskans will allow more kids to see themselves and their lives on TV. KTOO's Yvonne Crumry has the story. Hey everyone, it's me, Molly! Molly if that theme song sounds familiar, you already know about the PBS show that's making history that stars Molly, an Alaska Native child, exploring the state with her friends. One episode of the new season explores Filipino identity through Vera Malakos, the show's Philly Baskin or Filipino Athabascan character. Are you okay, Vera? I was thinking about my mom and how she misses Sinuguan festivals back in the Philippines. I wish we had them here. Vera has been a side character in previous episodes of the show, but show writer Vera Starbird wanted to see more of her. For Starbird, who is Lingit and Danina, Filipino culture was a large part of her community growing up in Alaska. I really thought Lumpia um, was this indigenous Alaska native food and I won't even say how old I was when I realized it was 
really not. In the episode, Vera, the character, wants to surprise her mom by making lumpia, a Filipino spring roll, for a cultural festival. So she and Molly have to steal the recipe without her mom noticing. Starbird said that food is a great opportunity for children to learn about other cultures. Food is one of those underestimated pieces of culture as far as its impact. And that became an important part of the episode as far as here's how we can share culture. Here's how we can mix culture. Uh, and that is understandable to kids. <laughs> they get it. They get that this, is, this food is different and this food is familiar to them and mixing them could be cool. And uh, this is what you can learn about a culture from literally tasting it. Starbird invited E.J. David to contribute to this episode. David is a professor of psychology at the University of Alaska Anchorage. He's also a father to four Filipino Athabascan children, and he's the one who coined the phrase Philly Baskin. Seeing yourself on mainstream TV and knowing that a lot of people put a lot of work into it and a lot of people put a lot of resource into it, you know, it, it, it legitimizes who you are. It, uh, you know, it, it tells you that your identity and your culture and your heritage, that those things are valuable, right? David wanted it to be clear that the show didn't make it seem like all Filipino culture was the same. Vera Molokos is Kampampagan, like David, and celebrating a Kampampagan festival made it so her identity was specific and real. And David was excited that Vera's last name, Molokos, means strong in the Tagalog language. Both David and Starbird grew up without representation of themselves on kids' shows. So this show means preventing that experience for future generations. And so then the opposite message is conveyed when you don't see yourself on, on these shows, right? It, it makes you, you know, the, the message that it conveys to you is that who you are and your identity and your heritage and your culture are not valuable enough. They're not worthy enough to be invested in right to put resources in um and so you know and so that's what i felt growing up before molly of denali first aired starboard went to the pbs station in boston to the children's program wing and you look around and there's curious george and clifford the big red dog and uh, arthur and realizing oh gosh molly is going to be a part of this and there's no Alaska Native child that's ever going to not have that experience of you know, uh, seeing themselves on the screen. For Alaska's Filipino population, that also becomes true. The Philly Baskin Chef! The Philly Baskin Chef's episode premieres this week on PBS stations and pbs.org. In Juno, I'm Yvonne Crumry. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.